What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn with the long balls is lighting it up. Former NFL quarterback, former Bronco, and college football analyst on the Fox Big Noon Kickoff Show. The Big Fox Noon Off. Big Noon Fox Off. Brady Quinn. Brought to you by Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. Your hometown Audi dealership and proud supporters of the CU Bucks. The Brady Quinn Show on Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. And Quinn is in. All right, let's head out to the Ramos Law Hotline Car Accident. You need Ramos Law, medical doctor and attorney, RamosLaw.com. And all conversations with Brady Quinn are brought to you by Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service, your hometown Audi dealership and proud supporters of the CU Buffs. Brady, what's going on, bro? Not much. Uh, just out here in Austin, Texas. Uh, big noon kickoff is at Texas K-State at noon tomorrow. Big weekend in college football. A lot of top 25 matchups, a lot of big-time games as well. Yeah, I actually think K-State's got a shot in that game. What do you think? I, I do, too. I mean, look, obviously Texas is starting a backup quarterback in Malik Murphy who oozes with talent and ability. You saw a little bit of that last week uh, in their win through a couple of touchdown passes, but you also see the, the lack of experience, too, right, through interception. Had a couple other balls that probably could have been picked. Had a fumbled exchange, too, that was lost in that. So K-State's one of those teams. Chris Kleiman's done such a good job with that group. As long as Will Howard takes care of the football and they can run the football and control the line of scrimmage, they got a shot. I mean, that's kind of how the Big uh, Big 12 finish it. It's a five-way tie right now for first place. What What is the most surprising college football team out there for you this year? What's the one team in that top 20 that you look at and say, wow, I never expected that? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I, honestly, I, I think when you look at the college football playoff rankings, I mean, Air Force being ranked right now in the top 25, didn't necessarily foresee that happening the way it has this year. They've been awesome and a tough matchup this week uh, versus UNLV. Barry Odom's done a tremendous job out there in Vegas. So we'll, we'll see if they can remain. Um, you know, outside of that, I, I guess I've been more not so much about what team has been like the biggest surprise, but the fact that it really hasn't felt like there's been one dominant team. And, and Georgia has kind of flown under the radar, I guess, in the sense that they're on a 25-game win streak. Like they haven't lost in, in three years so far. And we're not really talking about it much. You know, we've talked about Colorado a lot with what Dion's been able to do with that program, getting them the four wins, you know, after one win a year ago. And some of these other programs, and, and USC, and obviously Caleb Williams, how spe- spectacular he can play. But then, obviously, the, the defense and the issues they've had. It's like it's been about almost – and the scandal, obviously, of Michigan and how that's going right now. So, it, it's kind of crazy that you've got a team that's going to do something for the first time in college football since probably the early 1900s when Minnesota won – you know, three national championships back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And uh, Georgia's on the cut. Sorry. Um, Brady, speaking of the Michigan stuff, I know they had a conference call with all the coaches. The coaches are not happy. They want something done about Michigan. I don't think that we've seen this, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Would they, would they dare to make a move for a team that is a legitimate national championship contender to punish them in the middle of the season? Or would they wait until after? Yeah, this would be unprecedented in the sense of, um, you know, first off, let me start by saying this. 
the NCAA is usually who's been tasked with doing these sorts of investigations and, and dealing out these sorts of punish, punishments for violations. So we've seen them do that in the past. They have a task force that, that does this sort of thing. They're obviously investing Michigan right now and trying to sort out all the facts as far as Connor Stallions. When did he get to the university? How much has been a, he been involved? Uh, has the university been aware of this and funded this? There's so many questions. And as more people have posted out photos, Connor Stallions has been the side couple of seasons and so it, it we're still trying to figure out the facts of all this and the ncaa has been and is probably the best it's going to take a while and the the problem i have right now with the big 10 coaches and really athletic directors too have been a part of the calling for big 10 commissioner tony Petiti to do something is it's unprecedented you know he just took over as a big 10 commissioner this year and we've never seen a commissioner doll out any sort of punishment for something of this nature now, you can go back last year and look at the Michigan-Michigan State fight in the tunnel and look at the punishment for some of those players. However, that was different. I mean, that was a criminal act. That was assault. This is entirely different where the law is not involved in all of this. This is just merely violations in regards to gamesmanship and the rules. So I think it, we're, we're kind of walking a, a dangerous um, you know, path here as we're asking a commissioner to do something that's never been done before and opening up Pandora's box to then where does his power stop? And, and being a player in the NFL when Roger Goodell took over in his first year and, and looking at how he enforced the player conduct policy and that Pandora's box that was open in regards to the punishment and the length and everything else in, in, in that regard, I would think Tony Petiti wants to probably stay out of this and not make some uh, quick judgment before we have all of the facts from an NCAA investigation who's much better suited to do this sort of thing. I mean, the Big Ten doesn't even have any sort of task force or, or, or uh, unit that's going to investigate uh, these sort of claims from the coaches. And then the, and the last thing I'll just say is this has been going on for years. And so now we get the head t- big, t- big Ten head coaches and athletic directors calling out the new commissioner. It feels like they're trying to leverage right now public perception with Michigan, the success they're having and everything else to try to punish them when I think one other schools have done this. And on top of that, it, they've, other schools have known Michigan's done this. I mean, they've literally come up with all dummy signals when they played him, go ask Sonny Dice at TCU if they used any of their normal calls when they played him in the semifinal game last year. Brady, if I'm looking at the future of college football, and I had this argument with our boys here, all right, so next year they have 12 teams that they dole out for the championship, right? 12 teams in the playoff, yep. right? I yep. think there's always going to be an argument, whether it's four teams or 12 teams, because you know what's going to happen next year? Teams number 13 and 14 are going to be barking about why they're not in that twelve. No matter how many you run it out to, you can run it out to 70 teams. It doesn't matter. Teams number 71 and 72 are always going to argue. I don't think there's ever going to be a solution without some sort of college football debate. And call me really old-fashioned, I sort of like the old I like when we all debate who deserves to be there. I don't mind it. It makes college football different. What's your take? Yeah, no, that's part of the greatness of, of college football. I mean, look, there was a day where we had multiple teams claiming national championships because we didn't have – you know, that sort of format where, right, like teams just kind of play their bowl games and the Associated Press is like, yeah, we think this team, we're all going to vote. We think this team's the best. And others that went undefeated would say, no, we're claiming this as a national championship. I mean, it's, we're not that far removed from UCF essentially doing that uh, what, in the past decade. So uh, that's been a, a part of the tradition and history of college football. And, and you're right. I think there's always going to be a debate for the fringe teams. The interesting thing about, you know, opening up or expanding it to 12 is, um, twofold. One, you know, the, the highest group of five rated team gets in, so it may not even be like, hey, the top 12 teams as far as how they're ranked 
are, are going to be able to get in because you're going to if, if one of those isn't a group of five team, there is an automatic bid for that highest ranked group of five team to get in. So uh, you got to be kind of you kind of have to look at the the way it's uh, structured to understand which teams will get into the 12 team playoff. Uh, the other thing is people are concerned about it potentially dulling down the regular season. Whereas now at this point in time of the year, you know, we may say, hey, there's only maybe the top 10 teams have a shot. Four. Well, next year we might say it's the 25. Or maybe there's some outside the top 25 that still have a shot at making the, the 12-team playoffs. So um, some people think that's t- that takes away the importance of the games. I don't. I think it's going to help keep players playing uh, when the season after a loss or two, they don't just kind of tank or say, hey, I'm going to opt out the rest of the year and get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, and so there's always going to be a debate, but I think we're moving in a better direction by creating a bigger playoff format to be more inclusive, at least, and then determining who the national champion actually is. Could I ask you this, uh, Brady, because CU, after their hot start to the year, they've lost four of their last five, and that game against UCLA – like, they turned the ball over, I forget how many times, I think it was four times, and every time they took a snap on offense, Shador was on his back. Uh, after the game, Dion said this about his offensive line. In the big picture, you go get new linemen. That's the picture. I'm going to paint it perfectly. I'm going to go and get new linemen. And I had an issue with that because that's months from now. I want to know what you're going to do to fix this problem now. How did you feel when you heard that from Dion? Yeah, look, I think anyone on the outside, it's tough to hear because you don't know what's being said behind those walls. And you know, coaches nowadays have to say things sometimes to the press uh, because they know it's going to get to the players. And, and the players will hear it because everyone's going to ask them about it. The family's going to ask them about it. And, and that's probably a better way of motivating players. And so he understands the relationship that he has with his players, those guys in the locker room. And, um, you know, it, it's hard. It, it's easy on the outside to question, you know, what the intent is or what, is, what he's trying to do. Um, you know, I think for, for everyone on the outside, and as a former quarterback, you hate to hear that. You know, if, if anything, I think, you know, if, if you're Shador, you know, you want to come out and say, hey, look, you know, I got to get rid of the football or I got to do more or, you know, we got to, you know, do something else different too. You want to stick up for those guys because those guys are the most uh, unselfish, selfless players uh, that you've got on your team. I mean, I've always said I feel like linemen are the best people on the planet uh, because they're really, uh, they're, they're really not in it for anything other than the glory of everyone else around them. Uh, and so it, it's tough to listen to that. But, again, I, I think Dion knows – uh, the relationship that he has with those guys and the different buttons he can push to get better play. But I think Sean Lewis, their offense coordinator, too, has to have a more balanced attack. Yes. I know they have That's part of it, too, is they're kind of unapologetic about throwing the football around a bunch. And when you go up against one of the best pass rush teams in the country like UCLA, that's what's going to happen. And so that's the tough challenge, I think, for Colorado moving forward is at this stage in the season, you got to figure out how you can protect Shador better because when you can, he can obviously pick defenses apart. When they started the year 3-0, and it, it almost felt like it was a foregone conclusion they were making a bowl game, but they sit here with four games left with only four wins, and it's Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, and Utah. Washington State, Utah to end the year are both road games. Do you think they make a bowl game? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, 3-0, and it felt like the momentum and everything else, how it was building, you felt like they could get to that number. Uh, now it, it feels like it's, it's just going to be tough to do. Um, I, I, w- I, I do think they'll get to it. I think Shador and their skill players on the outside will be able to make enough plays to be able to get a couple more wins. Uh, maybe that comes versus Arizona, maybe, even though they're playing much better football too. Maybe that comes versus uh, Washington State or, or even potentially this week uh, versus Oregon State. But uh, I, I think Shador, to me, really levels the playing field because he's just a special talent at the quarterback spot. And obviously Weaver and Horn and 
Um, and Hunter obviously kind of also provide that big play ability. So, look, I know it's it's tough because of how things have gone, but I think if they can just tweak out a couple shootouts down the stretch, I think they can get the six. They're, they're talented enough at the quarterback spot at the skill players. Brady, you want something for your high noon Foxtrot show? I got something for you. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, I got let's do this. For you. you ready for this? Even though yeah, I think sure. SC's been playing horribly of late, even though I think SC's defense is wretched, even though I don't think right. SC deserves a spot in the top 25, I think 20th ranked USC will upset number five Washington. Whoa. I do think that's Whoa. going to happen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I got that. I mean, a four-point spread. That, you're really going out there on a limb. There. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Four points. But you know yeah. what? Four points. You know what? Yeah. They're also spread out by 15 spots in the polls. And I think SC will win that game. Do, do you think SC will have a chance to win that game? Yeah, I actually like SC in the points. I mean, playing at home, they're just tough. And, and if you look at Washington, too, over the past three games, they've been really tight games. The offense hasn't been clicking quite as much as we saw. That's another team that's kind of flown under the radar for their defense hasn't been great at, at UW, and they, they don't have much balance either. And now, granted, they haven't needed it because they're so talented at wide receiver, and Penix has been you know just killing it downfield. But you know, as the season's worn on, some of those, those deep uh, deep balls have kind of been off, and they haven't been able to protect Penix as well. And the defense has given up some points, so it's it's gotten to the point now where you kind of go, all right, like eventually they're going to stub their toe and they might stumble. And I think this could be it. I mean, I just I think that much of Caleb Williams. He, he's the best player in college football. I know he hasn't had his best season, but I, I'd give him the Heisman a second time in a row. I, I really – I was watching a bunch of his tape last night, and it's just – you watch him do things that other quarterbacks can't. And I, I think he separated himself from other quarterbacks right now in college football. And the other thing is, like, and this is no disrespect to any quarterback that's, that's playing this long in college football, but he's doing these things, and he's not like a 60-year guy. Right, like when we see Bo Nix or we see, mm-hmm. you know, Penix or whoever else you want to kind of point to, when those guys have been in college football this this long a period of time, you're like, well, yeah, you should be doing this, right? Like, some guys are in the NFL for two years by now, right, or three years by now. So, Caleb Williams isn't, you know, he he's the guy who's going to be draft eligible after this year, and that's what's so remarkable is for the past two years he's he really is the best player in college football. Brady Quinn with us. Uh, last couple here, just real quick, Brady. First of all, I want to ask you about the Broncos. They have now won two in a row. They beat the Chiefs last weekend. They head into a bye week. Do you think the Broncos turned the corner, or was that game against the Chiefs a fluke? No, not a fluke. I mean, you could see it. The defense has continually gotten better. Uh, offensively, I, I think Sean Payton and, and Russ are just now getting to the tip of what they're capable of together. So I, I think they're still building. Now, it's going to be tough. I mean, the AFC is definitely the more competitive side between you know them and the NFC. I was kind of looking at the standings right now, and if, if you really look at the NFC, the only thing you're probably going to see different is the NFC South. I think you're going to see the Saints probably take over for Atlanta, who's in that top spot right now. Um, and, and so outside of that, like the AFC, you could probably go 10 teams deep right now that have a shot of being one of the seven teams that make it into the playoffs. So I, I think the Broncos are very much still alive. Um, you know, again, some needed rest, recuperation. They've obviously got some younger pieces on defense now playing like to me, that team uh, outside of Kansas City, which they obviously just beat, I think it's the other team that you have to consider with the things that are happening in Las Vegas with the firing of Josh McDaniels. And, and then obviously the Chargers, you know, if, if things start to go south for Brandon Staley, who knows what they do next to their head coaching spot. So um, I think Denver's in a good spot right now. Uh, and then lastly, Brady, uh, what's the most expe- uh, expensive piece of jewelry that's been stolen from a locker room for you? Was it a $30,000 Roly? I mean, what are we talking about here? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't wear jewelry for that reason, right? My uh, my dad, when I was young, once taught me 
because uh, he never really wore watches. Then I asked him why. He said, well, he's like, when I was young, I used to get in a fight. I used to wrap around oh. my knuckles. And so I always thought to myself, well, I, I guess that's what you use it for. You use it as a weapon if you need to yourself. So I've never wanted to invest heavily in jewelry Jesus. at any point in my life. That's what I do with my Italian horn. I put it in my knuckles when I fight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, whatever, whatever you got to do to win, right? Yeah. Uh, this is Brady Quinney joins us every single Friday. Thank you, Brady. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, guys.